It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hello and welcome to Commons People, the Huffington Post politics podcast. My name's Owen Bennett and I'm joined this week by Ned Simons and Graham Demnick. The main story this week has been... Tatar selling off its steel business in the UK. The government has been criticised for not doing enough to help the industry and Business Secretary Sajid Javid was actually in Australia when Tatar's board met to make the decision in Mumbai. Jeremy Corbyn has been quick out the blocks calling for Parliament to be recalled so they can grill the government on what plans it has to save what could be 40,000 jobs which rely on the steel industry in the UK. Before we start, let's have a listen to Sajid Javid before he got on a plane to come back to the UK from Australia when he was asked whether or not the government should renationalise the industry. Well, at, at this stage, given the announcement from Tata has just come out, it's uh, important, I think, we talk to them properly and understand the exact situation, and we look at all uh, viable options. I don't think that nationalisation is going to be the solution, because I think everyone would want a long-term viable solution, and if you look around Europe and elsewhere, I think nationalisation is verily the answer, particularly if you take into account the big challenges the industry faces. But there are solutions, I think, to this once we understand the situation better and we want to make sure that we explore all of them. Sajid Javid there earlier in the week. David Cameron uh, also came back from his holiday to chair an emergency meeting today. The emergency meeting didn't actually have the business secretary there or the chancellor who was in Paris at a meeting of G20 finance ministers. But after the meeting in Downing Street, he came out and he also seemed to rule out nationalising the steel uh, industry. Here we go. Well, first of all, we're not ruling anything out. I don't believe nationalisation is the right answer. What we want to do is secure a long-term future for Port Talbot and for other steelmaking plants in the United Kingdom. This is an issue where I've had teams of ministers working for months to help this industry to make sure that we procure British steel for our ships and for other uh, vital industries in the UK. We've cut the energy costs of British steel and also with others in Europe we've made sure that there's proper penalties uh, for those who dump uh, cheap steel on the market. But this industry is in difficulty right across the world. There's uh, been a collapse in prices, there's massive overcapacity, but we're doing everything we can. Graham, uh, David Cameron's saying that the government are doing everything they can to support the industry. Now, the figure I said a minute ago is 40,000 jobs. There's about 17,000 directly employed at these sites. And they reckon that the knock-on effect in these communities would be about 40,000 jobs. What are the government doing and can they do more? Um, well, they could probably have handled it a bit better, whether they can do anything. We, 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 we've kind of been watching this for the last couple of days and it's, it's been a kind of, as you say, the only, the only story in town. And as a result of that, you would have thought that the government would have realised that it was the only story, story in town. The, um, the, the, the D-Day, the meeting in Mumbai of, of, of Tata executives um, would have been in the diary a long time ago. 
Um, the government had no ministerial presence out there, kind of putting pressure, glad-handing, whatever. That was something that Stephen It's Kinnock, really bizarre, isn't it, not to have any government minister over there? As, as Stephen Kinnock, a, a friend of, of HuffPost UK, he, he was out there with a delegation. Not representing us. <laughs> no. To be, to be Do we own the steelworks now? <laughs> I, don't know. I mean, he, he, he was out there in Mumbai, so you would have thought that a minister would have been out there given the kind of... The, 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 the enormity of the situation, so there was, there was nobody out there. And at the moment, there doesn't seem to be any kind of senior ministers in the country. If you've got Cameron on his way out to, to Washington to, uh, to, to a nuclear summit, he's just come back from Lanzarote. As we speak, it's 20 to 2 on Wednesday, sorry, Thursday afternoon, and Saji Javid is still in the air. Somewhere over making the it somewhere Pacific. Over the Pacific, it? making his way back to the UK. George Osborne is in, is in, is in, is in Paris for the G, G20. The kind of senior ministers who say they will do everything. And Nadia has still resigned. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's not right. Uh, we we'll do, we'll do everything they can, in, in quotes, uh, aren't even in the country. But so that's why it's sort of so good for Labour, isn't it? Because the optics for Labour has been good. Whilst all these other people in the country, Corbyn's been in Port Talbot. You've had other MPs like Anna Turley, who's the red car MP, where there's another steel plant. She's been doing a lot on this. You've seen her around a lot. Anne Kinnock, we mentioned, who's the local MP for Port Talbot. He's been all over the news, all over the newspapers. So for Labour, for once... They've kind of had a. They've looked good. The optics for them has been very nice. Unlike the government, I, which has I been. I suppose that's the difference between the optics and, and the reality. Isn't sure. It? I mean, you know, what what's, what Corbyn has played a blinder in the last couple of days by going out there and launching this petition that a hundred thousand people have signed already. But does that does that count? Well, for, in, in count, a way, count yeah. For anything. Explain I mean, the petition to me because this is this is quite. This is surely this is a brilliant <laughs> example of something must be done. This is something. Let's do it. Well, it's kind of is it's described as derogatory as kind of collectivism, isn't it? Is yeah. is doing something, signing a petition, retweeting something, and actually you feel good about. it. And we should explain the petition as well. Being being the, petition, yeah. the petition calls for Parliament to be recalled, but you can't actually have that petition can't be debated until Parliament's already back when it would come yeah. back. So <laughs> it's a bit of a, a hole yeah. in that, in that so plan. It does, yeah, it's ridiculous. But it, it's, it's ridiculous, but also it gives people a chance to put pressure on the government, right? Right. And, and, then, and then, OK, so, so, the, so the, 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 Im- the imagery will say the government haven't got it right, that maybe the opposition have. Um, the, so the question is, well, what, what, could, what could either of them actually do to, to, to either save the industry or, sh- or should they even be saving the industry? Let's have, before there? we get into that, let's have a listen to Jeremy Corbyn. He cut short his holiday in Exmouth in Devon. Part of the world you know very well, Graham. We used to work down there, and you're a proper journalist. And uh, he put on his his best jumper and went to Port Talbot. And let's have a listen to what he had to say. If we don't intervene to protect this steelworks and protect the other steelworks, we will have no steel industry in Britain. We will see a continual running down of our manufacturing capacity. We will no longer be able to call ourselves a proper manufacturing economy without a steel industry that goes with it. So our, our call to the government is intervene now to protect these plants. Intervene now for the investment that's necessary and the future running of the plants and the future markets. Uh, Jeremy Corbyn, they're saying intervene now. I rang up the Labour Party office um, before we went in there and just said, can you just clarify, do you think that the industry should be renationalised? And they sent me across Jeremy Corbyn's words from earlier which was basically saying, you know, intervene, do something. It wasn't actually calling for renationalisation, so right. I haven't gone that far. Um, now, do you keep an eye on the Labour response? I think everyone's saying that actually they seem to have done quite well with their response. Yeah, I think that's what we were just saying there. I think they've, they've played it quite well, and for once it's been a good week. I think we've seen in, in the last few weeks, um, or more than that, whenever the government has a bad week, Labour seems to not be able to capitalise on it, particularly with um, IDS's resignation. In a way, they sort of messed up their response, I think. But with this one, I think they've been playing it quite well. And it is, well, it's a very serious issue for them. It's a 
good issue for them in a sense, you know, jobs with the, and with the Welsh elections coming up as well. I think they've been having quite a good week. But, but doesn't it doesn't it fall into the kind of something must be done category of, of kind of political? Sure. I mean, whether they can actually do anything is a different matter. But in terms of how they played it, I think they've done quite well. Let's just go back to what the government can and what the government can't do. And this feeds in to the EU referendum debate uh, rather nicely at the moment. Now, one of the things the government, the, the people who want Britain out of the EU, say that we can't intervene in our industry because of EU rules. And they point to something called the state aid rules. And the state aid rules are simply that governments cannot prop up industries or organisations that give an unfair yeah. advantage in the single market. So Italy, for example, has uh, put €2 billion Euros into a steel company in its, in its country. Um, and, the, and Brussels are looking into that. Some things happen with Belgium. So the idea that we could go in and just chuck loads of money at it under EU rules might not be allowed. The other thing that the EU, the EU can do is they can introduce extra tariffs onto the Chinese steel, which is flooding the market. So, for example, the US tariff is 236% on Chinese steel. The EU tariff on Chinese steel is 9%. Now, a few years ago, they came up with an idea to increase the tariffs on Chinese steel. Who was one of the peak countries blocking this? It was the United Kingdom. Sajid Javid, as recently as February, was saying he did not want to go down this route. He thought that increasing the price of Chinese steel would be bad for British industry. And it would be bad for consumers as well. Was that, was that the point? There would be knock-on effect for higher prices for actually energy, energy, energy and other things. So it's like you can't have your... Kind of, okay, you've got to make decisions, I suppose, at one time and, yeah. and stick by it, haven't you? Absolutely. And, and there's now politicians... So there's, uh, the, the Brexiters are seizing on this as an example of hands being tied by the EU. What's funny is a lot of these Brexiters, Nigel Farage is one, a couple of Tory MPs, the others, who are not saying that you should renationalise the industry, it would be nice to have the power to do it. But Tom Purslove, who is the MP for Corby, which is also facing job losses, wrote a letter to David Cameron asking him to partially renationalise the industry. And I put to him, how is that in keeping with his free market love of Margaret Thatcher when I caught up with Tom Purslove earlier today? But the difference is the national security purposes of why this is important. You can extend and, that to any industry, though, can't you? You can ask any, any industry. You can also ask any Conservative oh, sure. MP that. Now, look, in 2008, 2009, the banks were bailed out in a big way. The amount of money that we're talking about to take um, these Tata sites into public ownership for a short period of time is very minuscule in comparison to that. Um, I just think the problem is what we know from Redcar is that once these sites stop, the costs of trying to get them going again are prohibitive. So we really cannot have a period where these Tata sites are not operational because trying to get them back into operation will be very, very difficult. So I just take the view that rather like when Chorus were bought out by Tata in 2007, for me that is the, that is the um, preferable option to, have a, to go straight into another uh, period of ownership under another company. However... If that isn't possible because it takes a little while to get the deal in place, then I'm not against a period of public ownership in order to facilitate that. So would you can now call on George Osborne, Sadia Javid, and members of the government to stop their opposition to the increased tariffs on Chinese steel at European level? Because the European referendum is June the 23rd, but until then, that's something that they could proactively do today. Would you call on them to do that? I think there are so many things we should be doing. I mean, I, for example... Is that one of them? But before the budget, I called for a business but race. is that one of them, Tom? Well, look, let me, let me ask the question, you know... 
I called for a business rates holiday for the industry. Yeah. I think that that would be a good thing to do. I think it would be a big help. I think we ought to look again at this tariff situation. I absolutely do. Okay. And I think we ought to see um, exactly what that is about. I think we need to look at the detail of it. And I think if there are things that can be done relatively quickly and relatively easily to increase tariffs on Chinese steel, it ought to be done. But my frustration and this is a sort of post-June the 23rd frustration, but it's going to be a big part of this debate, is that we cannot take the steps that we feel fit to help our steel industry. I think that's wrong. And I think people who care about our steel industry have got a very clear choice on the 23rd of June, and that is, if you vote to leave, we can at least do the things that we need to do in order to support it. Graham, one of the things that Tom Purcell mentioned there was Britain bailing out the banks, and this is a favourite refrain of those on the left, actually, isn't it? Yeah, and 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 some people have and some people on the right have dismissed it kind of immediately as like the comparison isn't the comparison isn't fair. If the banks went down, we can have kind of we all go down, don't we? Whereas if if the steel industry goes down, that's a shame for um, people's people's jobs and local economies. But broadly, kind of the whole country keep keep ticking over. But I suppose the argument on steel is 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 is, is, is slightly moving towards that direction, is it not? In terms of is, is, should we be looking at steel as, as not something that, that makes huge profits and looks after itself, but actually is something strategically important for, for the UK? I mean, in terms of national security, he does make, does make the point about, about how it is vital. That if we're talking about kind of, you know, relying on, on, on overseas imports to, to create things, to create warships, to create whatever, if we literally haven't got the capacity to do that do that ourselves is that not a dangerous position for us to be in the UK so does that justify propping up something that that isn't you know that, that isn't kind of looking after itself for this a, is almost for like a, a short this is like a Benite argument though isn't it this is a left-wing kind of in many ways right Ned I mean this is hearing this coming out of the, the mouths of people who say that Thatcher's the greatest thing to have for this country. I mean, what's going on? Yeah, I think they kind of get away with it, as it were, because, as Graham's saying, it's about national security. So when, right. you, when you put to, to Tom there about the nationalisation, how, how does that sit with being a Thatcherite? But things like steel industry, it's infrastructure, isn't it? Same with the banking system. It's the infrastructure of the country, whether it's national security or whatever. They can say, yes, but this is kind of a, a bigger point than individual industries that you should just let go if, they, but we, if they're not profitable. But when we prop up industries all the time, and the farming, so, the farming industry is, is propped up by an eight, billion pound kind of you know it's an eu subsidy but it all come it comes from our pockets and the idea is that it's it would be terrible if we had to import all our own food or or, or food producers would would collapse because we wouldn't have anything and of course mps we did totally right point and you can you can make a similar similar read across to and of course mps are always consistent with their ideologies so no and i mean and i guess the thing i mean the danger for cameron here is that if you go if he says you know Oh, I really want to help this industry out, but I can't because of EU rules. Well, then that appears in every Brexit flyer till June 23rd. And if he says, even if I could help, I wouldn't, then that appears in every Labour flyer for local elections and the elections in Wales. So he's got he's got a fine line to pick here politically, isn't he? Yeah, and that's probably why you're getting this kind of a mixture of a mixed message from Absolutely. the government. Nothing's off the table except that. Yeah. Except that, but it was on the table earlier in the week. That was definitely that was definitely an option. And actually, as we as we you know, there was this mini summit this morning that that, that Cameron called that, that made him look like he was the man for, man for the moment. And and but what has what has emerged from that apart from a few warm words? You know, we didn't even get the idea that we were going to have a task force where there would be regional assistance or. Super Primos, right? Yeah. Or I mean, Zar. Where's the Zar? <laughs> Steel we, we didn't even get that. I mean, there is, there is no kind of, as far as I can see, as we stand, there is no actual actual plan for it, and, and, and maybe there won't be. Very very quickly, is Cameron taking a Zar off the wall because of the EU referendum? 
Um, That's not quiz of the week, by the way. No, <laughs> no, um, but possibly not. I think I think these I think these 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 kind of mini these crises that have almost sneak up on them. You know, think I mean, it's, there's a similarities in the budget and the PIP stuff. They clearly, if they knew that that, that was going to cause such a, such a problem for them, they would have. They would have could have dealt with it, and if they knew steel was going to cause such a problem for them this week, they would have had something. They would have sent somebody to. I, mean, to, I wonder. To I don't know if they necessarily. And they, and they're kind of, are they being blindsided by Europe? Well, I don't know. I just think these things are just not thought through. I don't know if they're dis- probably are distracted a bit. I don't know if they're completely distracted, but everything that happens is in that context now, yeah. isn't it? So whether I don't know if they kind of if they're surprised by things, but when things do happen. It's all in this. It's all about Europe. Everything's about that referendum. That's surely what the Prime Minister is completely focused on, and probably most decisions he makes in how to tackle any issue is with that in mind. It doesn't take much to go. Have I got anything on next week? If I go to Australia, yeah, yeah, there's a meeting in Mumbai I should go to. <laughs> yeah. All right, then so I'll army, go. It's, an army of special I mean, I mean, yeah, to I'm, be look in the diary. So, do you know yeah. what I mean? I mean, anyway, Graham, start of the week. Yeah. So still no jingle. Just got, we're going to renationalise the jingle making process. <laughs> yeah, no, no jingle makers. Um, and I've had to come up with my own stat this week. Just so. Well, I'm sorry. Paul's it. off. All I've been doing is morning memo. Yeah. Behind, oh, oh right. I'm having some work. Tiny little violin player. So the stat of the week is um, I looked into how a number of heavy industries have declined over the last um, 37 years. All right, all right. You quite enjoyed it when you read it, didn't you? You haven't read it. <laughs> Um, and um, the steel industry uh, falls under the category, according to the Office of National Statistics, of stay with me, of basic metals. Okay. <laughs> and in 1978, oh, yeah. there were 386,000 people employed in the uh, in the basic metals industry. Um, in 2015, that had fallen to uh, 71,000. So that's a fall of three. Have I got this right? 315,000 people who no longer work in. In, in aluminium's extraction um, <laughs> since uh, since nineteen seventy eight, so I think that gives you a scale of the of the decline of traditional industry in Britain. So, I'm just out of the so yeah, that's anyway. Uh, anyway, on to this week's quiz very quickly. Uh, this quiz is called uh, "Still Crazy After All These Years," and okay, right. <laughs> and uh, before I start, I got the, the steel puns from this from the TV show Remington Steel. And for our younger listeners... I have no idea what it is. I think you Pierce Boston was in it. But anyway, it's a TV show in the 80s, and all 61 episodes had a title which was a pun on the word steel. Yeah. Some better than others. But anyway, so I'm in, I've got the figures here for steel production per metric tonnes. By country in 2014. Can we just rattle through this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you've got to tell me... So the UK produced 12.12 million metric tonnes in 2014. If the country, I say, is higher licence to steel... Yeah. If it's lower, still hanging in there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. The puns are good. Because oh, yeah. they're not yours. No, so they're not they uh, okay, so we produced 12.12 million metric tons uh, in 2014. Italy. Was Italy uh, licensed to steel or still hanging in there? Uh, is that what's the one that's lower? Still, still hang- hanging in there. I'm going to say lower. Still hanging in there. Licence to steal. I don't even know what this quiz is about, to be honest. You're right. In, 20, in 2014, it produced 23.71 million metric tonnes of steel. All right, good. Kazakhstan. <laughs> Higher. A licence to steal, I reckon. Go on, no yeah, reason. what he said. It's a big country. No, 3.68 oh, million metric tonnes. That's still hanging in there. Uh, one more. Uh, Taiwan. <laughs> still hanging in there. Lower. Lower. No, license of steel, 23.22 million metric tons. 
I think I know less about Steve. <laughs> yeah. uh, like, just a little bit of extra stats here. In 1967, we were the fourth biggest steel producer in the world. By 1980, we were the 14th. So you did have a stat oh, of the week. quite good. But you didn't I give did, it to me. Yeah, it's good then. It's better yeah. than yours. Yeah. Quicker, thriftier. Anyway, uh, thanks for listening. And uh, next week, not here next week. We're not, we've got a week off, haven't we? Yep. It's recess. Yeah. I went Bennett is wearing no shoes. I'm not wearing any shoes, but I am wearing uh, a t-shirt with my old band name on it. Fuck that. <laughs> <laughs>